and sieves, you're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 75 and was recorded on June 5th and made available for download June 9th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Lennon. And I'm Jeff. So, what have we got this week, Jeff? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we find out what the Swiss are doing about the thing that keeps you down. In CIG news, well, there's not a whole lot of official news out there, so we're bringing you our weekly crowdfunding update, Around the Verse episode 47, and details of the May report, and a quick reality check on Star Marine. In this week's Nugget for Nuggets, we talk about missiles. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, GuardFrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, then you're pretty much there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week, free of charge, but it is nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We want to thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope that you consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the squawk box, everyone. This week's edition of Squawk Box is brought to you by the letters L, H, and C. Yes, the Large Hadron Collider. When you want to combine freaky end-of-the-world apocalyptic tinfoil hat wearers with truly weird math and science that no one understands, reach for the Large Hadron Collider. It's European, so you know it's inscrutable. You science nerdarians out there will remember a couple years ago when the world failed to collapse into a black hole centered around the countryside outside Geneva, Switzerland. You remember that? How scientists at the CERN lab turned on the largest particle collider ever built and completely failed to annihilate the human race in its hubristic search for the fundamental structure of the universe. Is this all coming back to you now? Well, they did, and it didn't, and here we are in 2015, and those nutty Franco-Swiss Germano-Italians are getting ready to crank that mother straight up to 11. Actually, they're improving collision energies from 8 to 13 tera-electron volts. After discovering the Higgs boson in mid-2012, the LAC was shut down for upgrades. Those upgrades are complete, and the CERN crew is now warming up the superconducting magnets and starting up the first orbits of particles that they will smash together. Besides just sounding cool, there's actually a good reason why they needed to increase the energy level of the collisions in the accelerator. See, the elusive Higgs boson was a key piece of the puzzle to confirming what is known as the standard model in particle physics. It means that basically we are on the right track for figuring out how the universe is put together. But it turns out, scientists had actually produced those bosons a decade earlier at Fermilab in Illinois. Unfortunately, no one got to chant, USA! USA! in 2001, because the power levels there were four times too small to produce enough Higgs bosons to trip those detectors reliably. So what's the bottom line? Why should we care? Because right now, under the hills that brought us chocolate watches, corrupt secret banking practices, and pocket knives, two circulating beams of particles carrying enough energy to melt 1,000 kilograms of copper are about to create chunks of space-time that no human being has ever seen. 
The energy levels that they are going to reach are high enough that it is possible that we could see mathematical proof that three of the four fundamental forces are just different views of the same thing. And once we check the strong and weak nuclear forces and the electromagnetic force off our list, there's only one thing left. Gravity. You want a hoverboard? 2015 ain't over yet. So they're, they're about to unlock the secrets of the universe where before Switzerland gave us what? Swiss Army knives. But I mean, how confident do you have to be that your army is going to win a battle if you include a corkscrew on your knife? Well, yeah, you're going to toast to victory once, you, once you've won. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. If they're going to be that confident, they should be the ones to sort of, you know, prove how the you know, fundamental structure of the universe works. What I do hope is we get new power sources, you know, uh, fusion, free energy, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, and, that, and that's kind um, of, and, and that's where they're going with this. I mean, <clears throat> right now we know of only one force in the universe that can create natural fusion, and that's gravity, right? Enough stuff gets clumped together and you light it on fire and it becomes a star. But we know that some of the things that gravity overcomes to make that happen are the strong and weak nuclear forces and electromagnetism. If we understand the way that those four forces interact, we might be able to trick them into you know, lighting a fusion reaction without having to go to all the trouble of you know, collecting quadrillions of tons of it in a single place and you know, waiting for it to collapse under its own weight. This is the sort of thing that comes from this sort of basic science that's super expensive and sounds really wonky and weird, but it may really unlock a lot of useful things in the future. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. Speed 175, Port Bay, hands on approach, check your screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Crowdfunding update for June 5th, 2015, 83,796,000, up about 400,000 from last week. We have added another 4,000 star citizens to our ranks. And the UEE fleet has grown once again by 6,000 ships. Nice steady pace for a very quiet week. And that quiet week was only interrupted a few minutes ago by the release of the May monthly report. We've had a little time to digest that here. We'll give you our uh, first impressions and uh, pull out some stuff out of there we found interesting. First off, uh, there's been a radical revision to the damage model. It's all a cunning illusion now. If you'll recall back in the day of the different damage states where pieces of the ship would actually fly off, and they've spent uh, hours and days and months laboriously crafting the pieces of the ships that would fall apart when they got shot and fly off into the sunset. And there was a debris manager to eventually clean up those little pieces that uh, flew off. All that's going away. And a new damage model based on new textures that will actually hide parts of the ship as they get tossed uh, into the vacuum of space to be replaced with transparent bits and sticky-outy bits and wiry bits will now be taking its place. This new damage model will also cause spawned debris and wreckage to fly off of your ship, including perhaps lootable or recoverable or salvageable pieces like guns and sensor pods. And I think that this is a very interesting development here because there are a few other bits and pieces we're going to cover in this update that all point in the direction of reduced load and reduced data use in the game and potentially, of course, therefore, in the Persistent Universe. So next up in that category is senior engine programmer James Wright conducted a PTU test that utilized a separate server CPU thread to calculate the physics. So there will actually be a separate CPU thread 
handling all the bullet flight paths and laser beam collisions and all the other physical-based rendering and modeling that the team is trying to implement into the game itself. So there's a whole lot of work going on behind the scenes to make the game and its communications a lot more streamlined. They've also begun to work with Turbulent, who's driving two big initiatives for game support. The Community Bug Council, a much improved way for players to submit and see what bugs are active in the system, and a new version of the live service notification page, which will include the much desired server status page. So, so far they're improving communications not only between the different game parts, but hopefully with these Turbulent services, uh, improving communication with the player base as well. I just want to drag something up from the past on this point. It's the old discussion, what is alpha? I've often wondered, every time that there's been a release, they've always said that the reason why they're holding off is because they know certain features are missing. So is it just that they actually need a better way to communicate to the players, yes, we know feature X isn't there, here's what you shouldn't be reporting on? And so will this go some of the way to possibly getting us quicker releases? Yeah, I, I would really hope so. But and again, this is kind of go. This kind of went to our community question of last week. Or, or should we be worried that we have gone so long without a major release? You know, one point one three was you know weeks ago now, and it didn't do a whole lot. At least not forward facing, not a whole lot. And we're now two months approximately past when we were promised first-person shooter module, Star Marine. I think that if we are going to be building more, I hesitate to use the word bureaucracy. It's not even artisanal bureaucracy because it's all internet-based. But it's more bureaucracy to sort of handle the human touch of it. If there's a bug council, that is a very it's a it's a human interaction and you know, about trying to get human communication right and set expectations. It's not actually going into the squashing of the bugs. It's going into communicating what bugs are squashable right now. Yeah, and I think this is where the decentralized model that CIG are using by outsourcing to these different companies will actually help there because Turbulent aren't going to be, generally speaking, squashing the bugs that are stopping things like Star Marine from being released. So if they're going to be able to handle the human interaction side of it to help set those expectations, then hopefully it would mean that the people who are actually doing the engineering, like CRG, Santa Monica, Foundry 42, and so on, can actually get builds out quicker because they will just be able to pass them a list of these are our known issues, so let us know everything else except this. I certainly hope so. Anything that helps people get their expectations right prior to getting their hands on something, that's only going to help and drag up something else you know unpleasant from the past that's the whole reason why that the leak of a couple weeks ago is potentially quasi damaging because it is something you know, people start to get expectations about ship models about features that they find that they dig out there and it turns out that they're looking at something outdated or old or you know or a rejected concept that's you know been overridden and that's why it is important for them to spend the resources to try to control the messages wrong but to sort of help set people's expectations prior to getting their hands on what will hopefully be the next release that's going to be coming up soon very soon tm i think we might be in for a little bit of a reducing of expectations. We are now behind on the release schedule. When you read through the monthly report, there's a great deal of, we're starting work on this, we're starting work on that, we're beginning to put this piece together, we're starting to get that integrated with this. Theoretically, this game's supposed to be out, what, 
first half of 2016? I, I don't know. I'm almost there with you, Tony, but not quite. And, I, and the reason I say that is because I believe that a lot of the core elements are probably done. And when they say they're starting to work on something, they're probably starting to work on the front end of this particular piece or the front end of that particular piece. And so I don't think that the development cycle will be as heavy as the back end has been. I guess I don't, I'm not going to lower my expectations because they're my expectations and I can't say for other people what their expectations are. But yeah. I think that in the end, it'll meet my expectations. I hope it does. And I hope it meets my expectations too. But I mean, the reality of it is, is that if they're going to supposed to turn on the persistent universe in the first half of 2016, I don't know that I see that happening now. You know, Christmas 2016 might be more realistic at this point. I really do think that it, where we're at at this stage of the game, they're dialing back the level of fidelity, right? You know, the damage model that they had in place was sort of one of the cool, new, and innovative concepts that they were putting out there. You actually, when you get a piece of your ship shot off, a piece of your ship falls off. It's not there anymore. It's physically not there in the game. And we might have even had a discussion, I'm remembering it now, you know, when we when were talking about the big capital ships, about pieces of the capital ship being shot off and you being able to fly into the superstructure a la right, right. You know, Return uh, of the Jedi, yeah. right? Nah, that's that is not that is not going to happen with this new damage model. I guess they could take the collisions off. I, I think they're doing it for optimization of net code. Sure, absolutely, they have to. Uh, but I still think it'll be pretty, and I still think it'll be realistic. Again, I mean, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that's not. I mean, it's, what we have right now is gorgeous, and you know, I, I can't really believe that they're going to make it less gorgeouser. But they're going to have to sacrifice something somewhere. You know, there's no there's no give without take. There's no take without give. And if they're going to physically model every bullet and you know laser beam that goes, they're going to have to cut something somewhere, because I mean the internet is just not built to handle it. I mean you just you can't shove that much data through the pipes and have it be server side authenticated and have everybody in sync and me play with Lennon half a world away. The technology isn't there yet. Maybe a case of Chris being still two years too early to have his complete vision. You know, if it were just a single-player game, you might be able to get away with it because it's going to live on a single person's machine and it's all local right there. But to have it work over the entire global infrastructure and have it be cheat-proof, server-side authenticated, it may be too much. They're having to chop things back as far as physical fidelity goes to make these things work. And finally, we see some sort of MMO-ish type things pop up. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm kind of happy to see them there because it'll make it gameplay more fun. And they have a little personal little sidearm, a little personal tool called the Personal Arc Welder. When I first read this in the, uh, in the update, it seems like the Squadron 42 version of the Portal Gun. You'll be able to use it as a oh, Swiss Army knife for a variety of tasks, maybe even as a uh, weapon of last resort. Uh, but uh, things like slicing open uh, panels to get at manual door locks and things like that. There's a lot of gameplay potential with the personal arc welder that I thought was cool. And also uh, med packs. You're going to walk up to somebody and basically shoot them in a uh, port in their armor and it will heal all of their limbs. I don't know what sort of infection device they're going to use to explain that, but it'll be closely related uh, to the result that you'd get from using the healing kits you're familiar with from every other MMO or first-person shooter that you've ever played. So I'm, I'm glad to see that there's a little bit of, I don't know, surrender to some gameplay realities of what people are going to expect when they walk into a first-person shooter environment. 
Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that as well. I was trying to think, you know, there's always this line that CRG are trying to do between realism and what's fun. Right. Uh, just to use a random example, there is no sound in space, but in Arena Commander, you hear like pew, 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 pew. You know, it's just, that just mm-hmm. helps with the fun aspect rather than the yeah. realism aspect. And I think that when it comes to doing uh, very quick shots of adrenaline and med packs in that sort of sense, it makes more sense to use the traditional FPS module of shooting people with a special gun to heal them just to enable yeah. them to get up a little bit more and back in the fight. Obviously for longer term damage yeah, you're going to need the cybernetic arm or that sort of system that they were talking about. If you make mistakes in the real world and get your arm blown off, I mean that's permanent and, and terrible. And that does not make good gameplay, you know. You want to be able to learn from your mistakes in the game and improve your skills and, and get better at the game. And you can't do that if you're constantly replacing your arm. Or if you once you get shot in the arm, if you're combat ineffective and can't play anymore, you just lost your opportunity to get better for that scenario, for that encounter. So I'm kind of glad that they're kind of running this way to make it more traditional in what people's expectations are. Speaking of setting expectations, I'd like to ask a question. If I may. Well, of of course. course. Where the f*** is the first-person shooter module? Whoa, 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 whoa. We've only gone through one news item here, buddy. You're totally jumping the gun. I know, but I think it's worth bringing up because, like you were saying, it's about setting expectations. And that is pretty much the primary thing that I know it's on my mind. I know it's on your mind. I would imagine it's on a lot of people's minds out there. When it comes to the release of the modules and the release dates, we all know that CIG's release dates are a little bit fluid, to put it politely. They shift around, they move. If we look at things like Arena Commander, that was supposed to be December, then it was supposed to be February, and it, I think it eventually came out, was it March, April, when it, we started to see yeah, it? Yeah, I think, yeah. Come out? I think so. So I think it's just worth going back over and, and looking at things that we've been uh, told about Star Marine, and to kind of do a little bit of a reality check about what it is that we're actually going to be getting, because, you know, and in some ways we are kind of responsible for this as well because we talk about it every week and so naturally this hype around star marine builds up so i just wanted to say that i think it's good to set the expectation that with star marine effectively for everything that chris has said that's been told about in interviews and so on that we are only going to be getting two maps which is going to be the gold horizon space station the pirates versus marines and right the Satable map. Having said that, we still want to know where it is because it was CitizenCon, which was October last year, where we were first demoed the FPS. And yes. the talk from Chris at the time was once we've got the first basic things out of the way, we're going to see more releases more frequently, more quickly. Things are going to start happening at a really rapid pace. It's going to be first person shooter, followed by social module, followed by planet side, followed by alpha of the persistent universe. We're all going to be super, super happy. Now, this comes back to something else that was in the May monthly report. It was from the Austin section, and it was almost like a throwaway line, but it says, Our attention has shifted to creating the characters that will be seen playing Satterball in the Astro Arena. We've got some pretty slick new concepts we've been working on, and they should be wrapped up in the next couple of weeks. It's that next couple of weeks bit that I want to focus on here briefly. Around the verse episode 47, there was an interview with Travis Day, which basically he answers the question, where the f*** is the first-person shooter module? And he takes us through how currently they're working on the locomotion of the character. Chris wants to make it feel like a simulation, including how the character moves. And he says that one of the uh, reasons why we're waiting is the generic instance manager, which is going to be the matchmaking system. Whilst that's happening, though, other departments would just be sat around twiddling their thumbs. So naturally, 
instead of just waiting, they're going through and adding an additional layer of polish to everything Star Marine. Which then brings us back to this section here about how they are working on creating NPCs for the Satable in Astro Arena and that it will be ready in a couple of weeks. So, do you think, and this is kind of my overall question, are we actually waiting for netcode? Are we waiting for the motion capture to be complete so that Chris can have an accurate physical simulation of a person in the first-person shooter module? Or is it actually now being held up because these other departments aren't twiddling their thumbs? Because they're trying to put additional polish in, they're trying to do additional concept models, and so the fact that this is going to be wrapping up in the next couple of weeks, I think is quite clearly indicative that we are not going to get the FPS module for at least a month, because by the time they finish those character modules and incorporate all the changes into the patching, it goes through quality control and then goes through to release, I think we're going to be looking at at least six weeks until that's actually through the cycle. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, seeing that Sandy in that same episode 47 said that she was just returned from London from the motion capture stuff and that she was going back, I think that your scenario is plausible. I'm going to still take my stance that they're buying time. I think the netcode thing is probably a huge problem. I think that they more or less stuck a knife through uh, some vital internal organs and sliced out a good chunk of what they thought was going to be Star Citizen, the Persistent Universe, and cut it out and left it on the floor and are trying to sew something back together and put it in its place. And I think that's turned into a bigger job than they ever thought. And they're having to redesign the damage system to fit into a smaller bandwidth footprint. They're having to optimize all their physics calculations into a separate CPU thread for the server side. I mean, I think they're having to basically redo everything they thought they had finished for the back end of Star Citizen. And they just either didn't plan it right or, or the, as, as the game developed, uh, you know, just a million Hydra-headed monster popped out of uh, from behind the corner about all the things that had to go right on the back end for this to work. I think that Lenny, you're probably correct in that, as with everything, there's a, there's a, the law of unintended consequences. Probably that push and pull is going to result in, okay, netcode's done, and then everyone's like, well, we still need three weeks to get the polish finished. So, I mean, it's just never going to match up right if you're it, it, trying to put this all together at the scale that they're doing. If you're going to have people not twiddling their thumbs... You're basically begging for a deadline mismatch like that. I agree with you overall. We're looking at July. I agree with you at least, maybe August. Uh, we're looking for the first-person shooter module to actually come out. I think that's probably correct. But I still do think that they are really buying time to just completely rebuild the back end of this game. Right. At, at which point, though, you know, we're sat here speculating on why we think it's going to be, like you said, August before we actually get this module. So... Is there a point at which CIG just need to come out and say, look, we're having a few issues. We're not going to be able to release it until at least X. And I realize now the hypocrisy here of saying they should give us a release date, but don't give us a release date if it's going to change. And then when we do get a release date and it does change, we're always kind of a little bit narked that it's been missed. It leads to hilarious sections like WTF, ITF, PSM. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's, what, what is this thing also about release dates that has us so 
worked out. Obviously, I think it's just because we're fans of the whole system, the whole yeah. genre. And yeah. do you think that they're that they're not coming out with an announcement about what is actually preventing it and how long an ETA is? Because it's also the whole pioneering the crowdfunding model, and it's not enough to just be okay. They've got to like succeed and blow it out of the water. Yeah, all that goes into it, and honestly, some of it could be just someone could change their minds and say, you know what, good enough, ship it. They're just now doing Saddleball characters, right? So I guess that means that before the plan was just to have the bald guy in the spacesuit be the Saddleball character guy. Was that the plan before? Well, I, I don't know. This is what I mean. Is that I don't know either. Yeah. I, and, I, and again, we're here to set speculating, but I mean that could have been the plan, and probably everybody would have been okay with it. It's placeholder art. We get it. It's an alpha. Yeah. So if they yeah. are using the, oh, we're working on setable characters, that's going to be at least three weeks to buy more time for the net code. I think that the problem is there that you then get people who, uh, pretty much like me when I first read this report, that look at it and say, well, if you're just waiting for the setable character, like, I don't need a skin to be able to test the FPS right. module. Right. So why are you holding it up for a skin? Yeah, at which point, you know, do they... I know that they've also talked about the general instance manager, which is the matchmaking system, yeah. and how everybody knows of the issues that they had in 1.1 and 1.1.1 and 1.1.1.2.3.1, yes. whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So it is good that they're also getting on that and fixing that as well. But it just seems that there's a lack of... For all the transparency they give us, I just feel that they're hiding something which just doesn't quite seem like their normal MO. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I, and we're going to get letters. Oh, boy, we're going to get letters about us being down about the game. This is not about us being down about the game. And we're, this is about taking a critical look at a game that we want to see desperately and we're very happy to follow and we're, we're enjoying the coverage of it, even when it's like this. Blennon's point's well taken. This is uncharacteristic of what we thought would be the new CIG, you know, after Zuravec and Mayberry came on board bringing this wealth of management experience with large development processes, large game studios, we thought that the train would probably run a little bit more on time. You know, reality then sets in, hey, look, you know, we got to redesign the entire back end. That's a huge undertaking. It was probably a terrible, heart-rending, you know, painful decision that they made, but it had to be done. That caused a lot of knock-on effects. They probably even internally, don't want to talk about that very much because it was probably a huge gut-wrenching decision to have to make to gut the entire back end of the thing. And it's probably a little embarrassing, probably involved, I'm going I'm to guess, maybe a, mi a minor amount of finger-pointing to different people in different places. So it's probably very touchy. I imagine it's very touchy internally, politically, this decision having to be made. So I think that that I think internal office politics have to do with that too, and that's not something that I really want. I care about as a crowdfunding supporter. I do care about, as you were saying, though, Lennon, and I agree with you. I do want a little bit of honesty in like this is why we're doing the things we're doing. We do have to rework the entire back end, and it's taking longer and it's more labor intensive than we thought. I would like to see that. Well, we're all victims of anticipation. We all want this game, and we want it yesterday, and, and, uh, but we want it also done right. Uh, I think that uh, if such were the case, you know, CIG has been very good with their communication so far. Uh, I, I think if that were the case, they would come out and say that. And maybe they're saying that in these monthly reports, and, and we're trying to read between the lines, and maybe they're not. But I'm going to choose to believe that they're going to be delayed a little bit at least. But I don't think it's going to be as drastic as reading between these lines here is telling us. 
I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But I really do think that it is a gut-wrenching thing they had to choose to do, and it's going to set things back quite a bit. Like you said, this isn't. we're not getting down about the game. This is just we're just trying to analyze and look at why this could be occurring and where... There will be an episode 76, everybody. We yes. promise. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to say that we do understand that we're not just talking about an FPS game. If it was an FPS game, Ilphonic probably could have thrown it together in a couple of months and we'd all be playing a very loose alpha of it. The FPS system does underline everything yep. that Star Citizen does. Yep. It is first-person shooter, first-person universe. Okay, the, the first two words are identical in each. And we're accepting of the fact that this is a huge, 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 huge part of the game, which is, in my mind, why... I think we need even more transparency, confirmation, and detail on what it is, because what they're doing will affect absolutely everything in the universe. Yeah, they even got talking about uh, infinite map sizes, you know, galaxy-sized maps, and how the, that's giving them problems. They talked about uh, having to merge meshes, you know, their module design, yeah. modular design system, you know, was causing humongous, you know, CPU overhead trying to render all their G CPU and GPU overhead, I think trying to render all that stuff, and they had to find optimization routes in even those first-person maps for Squadron 42. Again, the game is so massive and huge, they're having to take the time now, maybe before they really wanted to, to really do a lot of optimization work and just cram down the amount of net traffic that is going to need to happen to, to make this game go. I think that's what it is. It's probably heartbreaking, heart-wrenching to make that kind of decision now in the middle of everything to switch horses midstream, but it's... It, I would like to see somebody come clean and say, look guys, let's let's reorient here. And that makes this week's community question. Are we due for a feature rollback, a fidelity reduction, a lower your standards moment? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. But now it's time for news we didn't use. And for the writers, episode three featuring William Weisenbaum and Adam Weiser. Meet CIG Devs, episode 28 with Rick Chetley, project manager at Foundry 42. Kaizen, the Nova Dilemma, missile malfunctions and lawsuits abound. Bugs, misses! Episode three, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Note from the chairman, a bard's tale helped bring more classic games to life. And did you miss out on the Super Hornet the first time round? Well, now you have a second chance to purchase all the military ships again. I might buy me a Cutlass. You know, they're, they're pretty ships, really, the Cutlasses are. Ah, I do no, like they're butt at... ugly, actually. <laughs> well, they're butt ugly like the way the Hornets, you know, the, not the Hornet, the uh, the Warthog's butt ugly, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it just, it looks mean. Look, It looks just, you know, it looks like it's going to tear you up. Now that we're all cut up with the latest news from around the verse, let's see who... Oh, that's cute. Oh, Shiv. <laughs> no, no, Lennon. I'm taking credit for this one. Lennon did that one? Oh, man. All right, Jeff. <coughs> give it give me your best let's shot. Let's see what miscellaneous goods we can pick up in Nuggets or Nuggets. <laughs> you have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. 
Max Stacks and the Stacks Brothers here from Detroit Discount. Best ship's shop inside the ship husk floating around the next asteroid belt. If you can find us, I'll give you a great deal. What do we have in stock today, Pax? Crates and crates of missiles. There was a whole A traveling through that decided to trade them for some, uh, intangibles so that we can sell them to you at a great price. Representations made regarding the origin and circumstances of material acquisition are made without intention for or against customers' reliance on said statements. Yeah, thanks, Jax. Missiles are quite the useful consumable item, so beautiful against the backdrop of the stars, nebula, planets, the cosmos would feel really empty without explosions making their marks across the galaxies. Um, um, not all projectile weapons sold by Stax Brothers Limited Liability Partnership, Stax Brothers LLC General Partner doing business as Detroit Discount are guaranteed to actually... Um, explode per se we've got three types of missiles these here painted with the hot mama are ir tracking missiles oh yeah those lock on the heat of your targets guns and thrusters i like those because those main engines are the hottest parts so they'll they'll head right towards the enemy and fly right up there right, they're, they're, they're aft aft they're after quarter <laughs> but um but detroit discount assumes no liability for target detonation on other parts of the ship you can evade them with flares which give off their own extreme heat also flying near something very hot may work like a terraforming laser what, what, f- flying near terraforming lasers is not recommended by detroit discount as it may void your warranty on armor plating or paint work these others that are here painted with the bitching Ooh, the loud loud <clears throat> sorry these here painted with the loud mama track your EM emissions. The energy signals put off by firing weapons, shields, and created by powered systems. Dropping chaff is a good way to scramble the sensors of these types of missiles. Even ship sensors have trouble looking through a cloud of chaff. Oh, d- 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 chaff dispensed by defensive systems are classified as foreign object debris inside traffic control zones at most major starports. Detroit Discounts does not endorse littering. And finally, these last ones marked with the fat. Detroit Festively plump. Fat mama track the cross-section of the ship. Flares won't bother these missiles at all, but chaff might give it some trouble. Also, if you put yourself between the missile and someone you don't like, especially if their ship is like yours, it might confuse the missile and hit them instead. Well, well, hold on. Just a second here. Just Shut him up, Pax! All those missiles and more for sale at Detroit Discounts and Nax. If you can find us, we have deals. Detroit Discounts! It probably worked. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he eats shark fillets after playing pool, and shady people he owes money to disappear. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. Alright everybody, so uh, you know, we asked last week, should we be concerned about the release dates? Or has that train sailed into the wild blue deep black? Ostron writes in, my 98 word comment got lost in the ether last week. Boo! I honestly don't know why CIG bothers giving release estimates anymore. At this point, weather forecasters on the U.S. East Coast have a better success rate than they do. I wouldn't worry about it as I suspect the delays have to do with the developers forecasting the work based on projects they're used to. And then Chris Roberts tells them what Star Citizen is going to do. Also, no more 1am shows for Tony. He was sounding a bit punchy there at the end. 
winky face. <laughs> the con artist writes in and says, I believe we are closer to multi-crew module than we are to the FPS, being that we can climb into our buddy's ship already. All that they need to do is make us spawn in it. Hopefully by the time you read this on air, well, we'll have a PTU build of the FPS. Really hopeful for this week. Galen, Rick, Lotharin. It really depends on how crucial the FPS is to the other modules. Can CIG continue to work independently on things like the MCM, or if the delay of this module is going to stop any meaningful work on the other modules. I have a feeling that they'll be using a lot of what's being used in the FPS module in relation to the physics of how player models move in the MCM. To ensure that there is a consistent feel in how players' avatars will interact with different environments, so this delay could be significant. Detterbug says, Building a first-person shooter using the CryEngine would be easy, and if that was all they were building for the FPS module, I would be worried that Elphonic has taken so long. But the FPS module isn't just a first-person shooter. It's a test bed on interacting with the world they are building. This would include environmental interactive, cargo, clothing, modules on personal weapons, etc. All of which needed for multi-crew to work once you leave your seat. It also doesn't help that they are making changes, additions to the core functionality of the game. In the long term, these changes will help, but they've got to be disruptive in the short term. Amontillado says, no need to be concerned about scheduling. It's only ever a best guess at a particular point in time. What might be worthy of concern is if you believe these missed dates are indicative of CIG not having the ability to realise their ambitious design goals at all. If is much more important than when here. For what it's worth, I'm not at that point. Oh, for Jeff, this name is a lot easier to say than you're making it out to be. Amontillado. The double L's make a Y sound. Uh, Obviously, unless you're from this part of the world where the double L is a Welsh thing and actually your name is uh, a Monteclado. Who knows what's next? The Kin Shadow knows. I'm not concerned, in quotes. It's obvious from the past scheduling performance that you need to add three to six months to any date that Chris gives us. For some weird reason, a lot of people thought that the FPS social dates would be different. Well, surprise. Welcome to the last two years of published dates. I'm curious to know whether Aaron is stricter with his team in regards to Squadron 42 deadlines. I guess we'll see, but I'm not holding my breath. Fortune says, First, I love the show and proudly back your Patreon campaign. I encourage others to support the show as well. If you like it, feed it. Oh, I heartily agree with that statement, which is why I read it so strongly. To the community question, I'm not too concerned about the delay in the FPS release. I think we all realize other aspects of the game are being developed in parallel. Multi-crew, multiplayer, social modules, Squadron 42 all depend on the FPS being pretty well dialed in before each of those modules debut, but that doesn't mean that production on those items isn't continuing while the last of the FPS bugs are being worked out. And judging by what Elphonic is working on, I do think they're working on the last of the bugs and polish. It's June, Squadron 42 Chapter 1 is due to drop in 6 months. I think after the FPS module is released, we'll see a rapid cascade of other modules releasing shortly thereafter. And coming in whilst we were actually recording this episode, so you're lucky my email's working, Benu writes in and says, plus one on what Amontillado said, and plus a helping of scope creep. I believe that the original estimate for FPS was based on delivering the bits that got demoed with a few bugs smashed, then the Ender's Game Battlesphere got axed and replaced with Satipal, then the Jukes were added. Then the, oh, this synergy movement stuff applies when you leave your ship in free flight. Hmm, gotta clean that up. And so on and so forth. I believe it will be better for the delay, but I reserve the right to pout about not getting to channel the spirit of Ender. I blame the lawyers. 
As you should. Yeah, Banu completely blames you there, Tony. So I think what we've yeah, managed absolutely. to discover, this yeah. is your fault. I, I, I was wondering, why did it take, you know, two-thirds of the show, three-quarters of the show for us to come around to that? Well, I think it's because on this show, Jeff being the more senior member is the responsible adult in the same way that whenever anything goes wrong, Jeff's responsible. Oh. I thought he was the doo-doo head. Ah, uh, that was last week. He's been promoted. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I like this gig. Well. <laughs> Well, luckily, you're not being paid for it, so it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, luckily, okay. Unfortunately, you know, you can quit any time and you will not see a reduction so, in your lifestyle. So responsibility uh, comes with uh, no, nothing extra, right? Just just more grief. No, no, <laughs> no additional pay. Well, actually, we'll tell you what. We'll throw in a 20% increase. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. I'll let you do the math on that. Shiv puts together the feedback, right? So we don't necessarily read it, but it's kind of funny as we just read through the whole thing. We've sort of... We've pretty much gone through this entire analysis as we were reviewing the May monthly report. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good stuff uh, from you guys, uh, as usual, but I especially want to go back and point out Debtor Bug. Absolutely, yep. The knock-on effect of having to redo the back end and have that come at the time when they're putting together the base model for the entire rest of the game. That really is a pretty deadly one-two punch. And then Ken Shadow, with his reminder to us that everything they've done has taken three to six months extra. I don't think I'm out of line saying that it's not first half 2016 that we see the Persistent Universe turned on. It's the second half 2016. Again, I, I, want, I, I would like CIG to be better at setting expectations and updating expectations. That's really what I would like. I also think that uh, Benu is on, on the mark as well by saying that, yeah, originally the FPS was probably just going to be what was demoed. And then, you know, they thought, oh, well, let's just add in this. And then we need this. And whilst we're waiting for X, then Y will happen, and now we'll polish up the Sateable NPCs, and we might as well stick the mocap in there, and it's just it's it's almost like feature creep, but for a yeah. pre-release alpha module. Really? You think so? Yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> okay, going on to general feedback, Sean Newboy says looked at the bills, looked at the bank account <sighs> still no ships Wonderful show, everyone. Keep up making those sound effects. Someday the director of Kung Fury will call. <laughs> oh, man. Have you got, oh, Kung Fury. That, <laughs> what a movie. <laughs> that was so terrible. It was amazing. Yeah. Kung Fury is my favorite part, naturally. Kung Fury. You know, given <laughs> given your uh, propensity towards a yes. certain uh, yeah, ex-German yeah, yeah, dictator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My engineered uh, affection for yes, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's. I think you've actually said this on multiple occasions. If, yes, I have. Thanks to a certain amount of engineering creativity put forth by our post-production <sighs> crew. Just waiting for the cool from Kung Fury, right? <laughs> Mister Easter Rabbit writes in and says, "OMG, I love this cat." The Pew Pew Lasers cat, not your cat, unfortunately, Tony. No, my cat has actually been well behaved. Yeah. Into my wife's bedroom and not a peep since. I only had to shoot her one time with a Nerf gun, and that one didn't even hit. So, way to be cat. Dr. Nefario says, I'm just through the beginning of it so far, but it is thoroughly enjoyable, like always. Thanks. Then later, where the f is the cat? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to read Dr. 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 Is that a metric doctor? Something that I really noticed during the episode is the sheer amount of times they referred to Elite Dangerous as Star Citizen Light. I feel that shows a lack of respect to Frontier and all the work they've put into their game. Is there a reason you can't call it by its name? There's a few, but first let's address the lack of respect part. Hey, hey, hey Jeff, what, do you, what am I doing after the show? Oh, we're going to go fly Elite Dangerous. I just yep, got done updating. 
Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a fantastic game. It really is. But it is to to my way of thinking, it's Star Citizen Light. Now let's t- let's let's break this down a little bit. It's Star Citizen has promised a very different feature set than Elite Dangerous has. The feature set that Elite Dangerous has will keep me entertained for a while, but I think Star Citizen will keep me entertained for years to come. So I, I really think that Elite Dangerous has it's been described as a mile wide and a foot deep, and I really I, I do think that. But they are continuously working on making it a mile wider. You know, they've just released another uh, update for it. Even as we record this, it's uh, it's fresh and off the, off the presses. Looks really interesting, and I'm going to have a lot of fun playing with it. I, I expect. The other problem is is that the acronym for it is ED, and we just beat that to hell in our prelude segments a year ago. So. We, we have to treat it kind of funny. Yeah. A sort of third aspect of that is that we actually received a piece of feedback once that said they felt that there was too much talk about Elite Dangerous. So I think that was one of the other reasons we started referring to it as Star Citizen Light, just as a bit of tongue-in-cheek reference there. It's almost as if we can't make everyone happy. Well, you know, we don't expect to. If you don't like us, keep listening to us, and I'm sure eventually you'll learn to like us. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get better. <laughs> we grow on you. Like, we're like fungus. That's, that's called Stockholm Syndrome, and it's bad. <laughs> if we're the ones giving it to people if we're spreading the syndrome it's good for us we don't we don't intend any disrespect to frontier it's a fun game we play it a lot star citizen can learn a lot of lessons from elite and in some of the things that we think are you know maybe mistakes that elite is making hopefully star citizen can correct or you know ways that we i don't like elite's basic design ideas star citizen hopefully doesn't adopt those you know so i it's good to play different games and we're just having a little fun calling it star citizen like yeah you know it'll be interesting once uh, star citizen comes out in elite dangerous and we and we start comparing star citizen to elite dangerous and go wow why couldn't they have done it this way is elite dangerous yeah. does it so much better oh, those days are coming yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Octane X writes in and says, Thanks for another interesting and entertaining podcast. You're welcome. Hey, all right. Okay, our new Patreons this week are Eric and Mark and Techlore. Our winner is Cameron. Ship has addressed the envelopes loaded with stickers and now just needs stamps. Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. Well, we didn't get our $50 goal, but we did get three new patrons, so thanks to our new patrons who pledged, and we'll work on getting those t-shirts out, and the patches are coming. We'll get those out to you guys. We'll show you what those are like, so maybe we'll generate some additional excitement. We're Like I said, we're going to mess with the levels on our Patreon campaign fund. I think the next goal is supposed to be $100 on that. We'll just... I'm too excited. I want a patch, so we're going to we're gonna move some things up. Yeah, I want a uh, patch, Bring too. some more real-world stuff out to people. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's more real if you have something to touch and, and feel and so on to a jacket i guess is that what you do with patches i just pin mine to the wall i've been really looking for some military-esque type shirts for guard frequency and the patch would really go well and i was gonna you yeah know. Well, well we're supposed to have some uh, samples to choose from here in about a week so uh they're coming they're coming we'll share with uh, we'll share with you guys the listeners once we once we get our uh, our prototypes figured out uh, but just a reminder of this week's community question. Are we due for a feature rollback, a fidelity reduction, a lower your standards moment? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So how was the show? Did we scale the mountain or was it really just a molehill? Either way, let us know. Here's some ways you get in touch with us. 
check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 75 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 76 on June 16th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways that we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website, and all of the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at GuardFrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough of spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to PriorityOnePodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Well, then check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights or you like getting up early Saturday mornings, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording at our new time, which is around 11 p.m. Central, and that's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Trollton Edward, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Time to 330, carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the curve. Those upgrades are complete, and the CERN crew is now warming up the superconducting. Superconducting. If you uh, you agree, disagree, uh, want to take us to task for being negative Nancys or Debbie Downers for another Saturday Night Live, I shouldn't ad lib <laughs> this late at night. I my ad lib system just does not function <laughs> this late at night. It's just not working. Just just cut all that crap. But now it's time for news we didn't use. 10 for the Writers, Episode 3, featuring William Weisenbaum and Adam Weiser. Meet the CIG Devs, Episode 28, with Ricky Jetley. Was it Rick Jet? I thought it was Ricky Jetley. I'll just read the copy as written. Like I said, my ad-lib machine <laughs> broke. I was going to say, you just said you're useless at ad-libbing. Apparently, you're yeah. useless at copy yeah. as well. You're multi-times. I'm just pretty much useless. Oh, Tony, by the way, his name is Ricky Jetley. Just thought I'd let you know. God, so I was right. So I'm not <laughs> useless at ad-libbing, but I did not read the copy. I'm still useless. We're all in agreement on that one.